Hello, welcome to the Raising Athletes podcast. My name is Kirsten Jones. I'm a peak performance and sports parenting coach, and I'm just starting year five of this podcast with Susie Walton called Hashtag Raising Athletes, where we love helping parents, coaches, athletes, authors, anybody who's working with kids and youth sports talk about what are the things that are getting in our way, holding us back, helping us release those limitations and move forward. Um, I'm also the proud author now almost six months of a book called Raising Empowered Athletes. And I've been speaking, you know, the last several months, getting out hopefully into your community soon. So please follow, like, share Raising Athletes podcast and my personal page at Kirsten Jones Coach. So we can talk about all these things that matter most to us as parents and athletes and coaches. Today, I'm so excited to have my first NFL, well, no, no, that's not true. My second NFL football player on, um, I love talking to athletes who have reached the, the, the top of the game and understand what's in it to, in their mindset and how they got to where they, where they got to. So welcome, Brandon Bryant. I'm so excited to have you on. Also, not only an NFL player, but also an author. So this is just going to be a great conversation. Well, thanks for having me, Kirsten. I'm, I'm happy to be here. I'm very excited and, uh, you know, thrilled to meet you and, uh, you know, talk to you and and uh, hopefully, you know, be able to give something to your to your listeners and viewers here. Yes. So let's start with you. I love hearing people's origin stories. And, you know, I grew up in the 70s. You're younger than I am, but playing multi-sports you know back in the day you played a bunch of different sports tell us about your journey and like how you got into football and what age did that start kind of take us from the take it from the top well i grew up in uh sort of well i definitely grew up in a football family uh from omaha nebraska uh oh. my dad had four brothers they all played football uh, my grandfather was actually like the first black man to play for the university of nebraska back in the 1950s so um, wow. It was always a, a big deal to play football in my household, and it was always on TV. You know, my uncles, my dad, my grandpa, my grandmother would always take me to local games, uh, local Husker games, you know, whatever whatever we could go to, we, we would go and enjoy it. And, you know, growing up, you know, I, I had an older sister, so, you know, she, she didn't play football, but I had a, a neighbor who was, you know, who was great at football, and I, I remember going to watch him play uh, when I was young, and he, he was, you know, just growing up. And it was just always something I wanted to do until it was time to do it. I remember I was watching Remember the Titans, and it was just it, – it looked so brutal. And I was like, yeah, you know, I don't I don't think I want to play this. You know, I was running track at the time. I was like, no, nah, Dad, I, I think I'm good. And he was like, you know what, son, you'll play it, and you have to stick it out for one season. And if you don't like it, then you don't have to play anymore. But you can't quit that first season. So so I played – started playing at the age of seven um, and oh. fell in love with it ever since. Yeah. <laughs> Young. Tackle yeah, but, or just touch. Touch it was seven. so I was seven turning eight. It was that fall. I turned eight in September, and it was tackle football right away at the uh, North Omaha Boys and Girls Club. So I never actually played flag. Um, went you know straight into football. I, I didn't play much. You know, it was eight, nine, ten. I was I was a younger, smaller kid. So you know, I kind of was on the B team, and you know, played when we were maybe you know up by twenty or down by twenty. So you know, I, I got in here and there, but I loved it and I have fun. And you know, I, I still have friends on that very team, on the eight, nine, ten team that I'm still very close friends with today. So you know, it was it, it was something that just was a, a a good match from the from the beginning. So I love that you weren't great originally, like that. So there there had to have been something in it that even though you weren't the star, even though you weren't getting all the minutes, 
what was it that the curiosity kept you going, even though you weren't getting immediate results? Uh, I think it was just, so I was, I was a track runner first and I was, I was a good sprinter. I was actually, I placed in the uh, regional junior Olympics, qualified for the national junior Olympics at the same time frame. So I kind of knew that, you know, it took some work to, you know, to be good at things, you know, for a lack of a better phrase, but I knew from from that point that you know you had to put in the work to see the results. So I wasn't good, and you know, my 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 dad and my my grandmother would always just tell me just you know how proud they were of me because I was so young. So I was probably the only seven year old on the team, and the fact that I could compete with the eight, nine, and ten year olds at that age, you know, they always they always supported me and you know uh, gave me praise for just being so young and being able to do it. Kind of like just you know, maybe gassing my head up a little bit or whatever, but you know, it was, it, it was good to have that support from the family just to, to, to let me know that, you know, it would get better at later times, you know. What age did you go, gosh, I'm actually really good at this. And this is like, I could play at the next level, like high school or middle school. What age was that? So I was honestly like my journey was, you know, um, I, hopefully we have time to get into that, but my journey was actually, not the conventional journey at all. So um, oh. in high school, I honestly didn't even make varsity until my junior year. And I didn't play until my senior year. Like I was just kind of my junior year. I was just kind of there as like a depth player. So I, I never really played, but I always had that, you know, confidence that I would make it. Maybe it was bliss or whatever, but I, you know, I always kind of believed in myself, but I had a, a, a stretch of little league football, maybe when I got to like nine, 10, 11, 12, where I was very good. Um, and that was short lived, you know, and then by the time I'm, 11, 12, 13, other guys, you know, they hit puberty before me. I was a late bloomer and it didn't go so good for a while, you know, up until like the, the seventh, eighth, ninth, 10th grade, it was just, you know, I was, I was behind the curve for a while, but, but yeah, I would say, man, I, I always believed, even though, like I said, maybe it was just ignorance or maybe me just kind of, you know, full of myself or whatever, but I always, you know, thought I would end up being pretty good one day. But, you know, when I when I got into high school and, you know, my senior year, I played I played pretty well. And then, you know, I, I, I knew that I, I had a chance to play Division one football, maybe not the NFL. But it um it, it was a, it was definitely a journey. It was a journey. So I love that. it. I mean, I, one of the there's a great new book out, Adam Grant, and he talked about hidden potential. And basically what he found was actually early um, prodigies are not the ones that have the longest careers. It's those that have had to work at something for a longer period of time that actually have long-term success. And you're an exact example of that because, I mean, yes, you could have also been an early, you know, prodigy and gotten to the NFL, but the fact that you didn't have it, I mean, junior in high school, or a senior in high school and you weren't starting and you weren't dissuaded by that, you were kind of like, oh, it's okay. I'll keep going, right? Mm -hmm. Like that must have been the mindset that laid the foundation because the average athlete lasts three years in the, or less than three years in the NFL, right? Is that yes. still the right statistic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if that, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> it, they make it harder and harder every year it seems, you know, but I think, you know, I'm no, no expert on this at all, you know, but I, I, I just think from something that I've seen from, you know, child protégés or maybe, you know, the, the guys you play with that are five-star recruits that make it to the NFL or Division One level, something happens where, you know, they don't spend the time on development and skill development that those players who lacked that at an earlier age did. So maybe it's burnout, maybe, you know, guys that are just, you know, putting in the extra effort pass them up. 
but it's something about those guys that are usually five-star players, child proteges, and you know they're they're told they're so great forever, and then they kind of forget what actually got them there, and they don't work on that actual development, and then you see the other guys passing them up, and you know it's it happens time and time again. So, you know, uh, like I said, no expert in it, but just from my my uh, study of myself, that's that's what it seems seems to be. So I know things have changed in recent years with NIL, with the transfer portal, with all of that, but I still find it very fascinating to talk about the recruiting process. So talk about like, so if you weren't even starting until you were a senior, but you had a great year, your senior year, how did recruiting go for you? And how did you make your final decision to go to Florida Atlantic? Wow. So uh, being from Omaha, Nebraska, especially when I was there in uh, 2000, you know, when I went to high school in 2007 to 2011, when I graduated, it wasn't a, a very highly recruited area. Um, the University of Nebraska kind of had given up on local players. The, the surrounding universities kind of weren't recruiting there as well. It's kind of a, a dead zone. You know, no, maybe if you got lucky, um, South Dakota, North Dakota State, um, maybe a walk-on in Nebraska if you were really good. But other than that, like no one actually bothered to come recruit the area. Uh, so myself, when I graduated from Omaha North High in 2011, I had one offer. When it was all said and done, which was, sorry, I had two offers. University of Nebraska, Omaha, which canceled their football program pretty much the day after they offered me. And Wayne State of Nebraska, uh, they offered me as well. So I had those offers, which turned into one. And uh, I decided that I was going to go to the junior college. So I ended up going to Fort Scott Community College in uh, Fort Scott, Kansas, which ended up being a, a great decision. And I actually redshirted there. I didn't play, but we had so much talent on that team that coaches and university was just come, coming to watch everyone. And they saw me at practice. And that's how I ended up at Florida Atlantic University. So wasn't the most recruited guy by any stretch of imagination uh, coming out of Omaha North High. And, you know, just, you know, made it happen from there. But it, it was, you know, it was, it was a blessing. And, you know, all the things that needed to go right for me, uh, you know, went right. So there's this theme that I'm sensing from you in that your ego doesn't get in your way. Like, you know, a lot of people are like, well, I need a D1 offer. I'm just going to go where the D1 is. And you were like, no, I'm willing to go take a, a side step, what some people would say, to go to a junior college so that I can get to where I'm meant to be. Like, how did, tell me about discussions with your parents or your family about making that decision. Or do you remember like what you went through to say, it's okay that I go do this so that I can ultimately get up, get to where I'm meant to be? Yeah. Uh, so my parents were honestly very supportive through it all. I was, you know, junior colleges don't really give scholarships. They maybe give like they'll they'll pay for maybe your room and board or maybe your books or maybe their tuition. But usually not all of it. Most guys depend on academic scholarships or Pell Grants. So uh, my parents were actually very supportive of me going to Fort Scott because they knew what the what the end what the end goal was for me. Um, I didn't want to put them through that situation of being a like a not a preferred walk-on but a walk-on at the university of nebraska where i would go on roll and try out and then you know all that tuition has to fall somewhere so i, I didn't want to do that and i had an older sister who was also in school that you know my parents were uh, paying for as well so i you know i thought this was a good idea for me and it, i i heard a lot of resistance from a lot of people i remember the high school security guard coming up to me who was pretty involved in the football team he pretty much was like hey man i think this is a bad decision you're going to regret it. You're going to go to junior college. You're going to get lost in the shuffle, just like all those other guys. And you'll be back here maybe, you know, uh, a year, you know, trying to, you know, get a, a regular job around the city somewhere. 
And, you know, I took that as a challenge. You know, I heard it from some coaches as well. And it, it was honestly everybody. Everybody was telling me I was making the worst decision. Like, choosing to go to a junior college as a qualifier is, you know, it's kind of unheard of. You know, I had the grades, obviously. So it was like, why are you doing it? Just, you know, go to Wayne State and play. And if you're doing good, maybe, you know, you can transfer to a, a higher school. And this is before the portal. But, yeah, yeah. just – as far as you said about the ego, just, you know, I just had to have that mindset where, you know, I just, it didn't matter what anyone thought of me. And I, I knew what that end goal was. Like, you know, I had it, you know, I, I wouldn't have said it was a vision board at the time, but knowing what I know now, like I definitely had a vision board, even though I didn't know it was a vision board. And I always knew what the end goal would be. I just didn't know how I would get there or what the journey would be. So you're at the junior college and, and Florida Atlantic sees you there, or how did you end up getting recruited there? So, um, Coach Sims, Coach Jeffrey Sims was the head coach at Florida Atlantic University. Um, and Carl Pelini was a defensive coordinator at the University of Nebraska. Carl Pelini was one of the guys who recruited me in Nebraska, but ultimately didn't offer me a scholarship. Carl Pelini then got the head coaching job at Florida Atlantic University. And Jeff Sims, he gave Jeff, he offered Jeff Sims a receiving coach job there. So those two guys knew me and they came back to Fort Scott to recruit another player and saw how I was developing and how much I'd improved over that short period of time and, you know, gave me a scholarship and the rest is history. I can't even tell you how much I love this story because I talk to parents all the time. And when I talk to athletes and they're like, yeah, yeah, I don't want to go D2 and that coach is recruiting me. And I always say the sports world is so small everybody knows everybody and maybe the coach that's at the school that you don't care about right now gets the head coaching job yeah. at your dream school exactly and if you snub him now or her now then you know they're gonna that they're gonna tell oh gosh you don't want to recruit that guy he does he's got yep. a bad attitude but exactly. the fact that you obviously handled that whole situation the right way that a year or two later he's like hey i'm still interested and now i have the ability to make the choice like that yeah. is awesome yes so yeah it, it it worked out it definitely worked out and I'm, I'm 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 grateful for that decision so take us on tell us the story what happens at florida atlantic so uh florida atlantic was uh you know it was a great choice going there um i went there because i knew that that um it was an up and coming program you know howard schnellenberger um uh, pretty much founded the program legendary coach and he was retiring you know so uh, at his last season, they didn't do too hot. They went one and eleven. So I knew, okay, coming in here, got an opportunity Rebuild. to make a difference. Yeah, kind of, you know, just got an opportunity to be a part of something special. And aside of, aside from all that, when I came on my visit, being a kid from Omaha, Nebraska, you know, the Midwest, probably my first time really seeing the ocean, seeing the beach, just being in South Florida, like you know, it was it was it was literally like paradise, you know. So it's like, besides all that, just the opportunity to go to a school, you know, uh, be a part of laying the foundation you know, leave your legacy and, you know, play early. You know, if if, if maybe I would have ended up getting an offer from a Big Ten, Big 12, SEC school, ACC, who knows, maybe I wanted to play until my junior, senior year, but or maybe I would have been a four-year starter. But at FAU, long story short, ended up being a four-year starter at FAU. Uh, however, I did face some adversity, uh, tore my right ACL two times, which, you know, was, uh, you know, very a very trying time for sure. But, you know, you just, you, you know, you just keep pushing and you, and you keep going. And throughout all that, like I said, started four years, ultimately end up not getting drafted. But, you know, went to uh, Seattle as a preferred free agent. And, you know, and, you know, that's where the NFL career began. But, you know, great, great decision going to FAU. 
I met some amazing coaches, uh, some amazing friends, uh, probably four out of the six guys in my, uh, in my groom's party were actually teammates from FAU. So, you know, it's just, you know, friends for life. I recently brought property here, so I plan on being here. I met my wife here as well, so. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> plan on what being here you, a very long time. What did you major in? I majored in uh, political science and communication studies. Okay. So maybe a little bit of a feeder into what you're doing now with writing. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah definitely. Those uh, Gordon rule classes paid off, you know. So. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let's go. I love this. Let's go on to your NFL career. So you're not drafted. How do what? How do you walk into that opportunity and know you're enough? And how are you going to fit in? And how are you going to make it? Like, talk to me about that whole process. So it's, it was honestly this, the same mindset of you know, and you know, I'm a firm believer in you know, everything happens for a reason. Whether you see it, you, somebody else reaps the benefits from it, or you do. I, I honestly am a firm believer. Everything happens for a reason. But I think of. Being able to go to junior college, that was, I didn't express to you guys how hard that Fort Scott was. That was the hardest year of my life athletically. There are no, there were no rules in junior college back then. The coaches could do whatever they wanted. Um, every practice was hard. It's hotter in Kansas than you could ever believe. And, you know, you just, you just learn how to just go and keep going forward. So by not getting drafted, I, I knew like, okay, I, I've been somewhere where the odds were against me before and I found mm -hmm. a way to make it happen. I can do it again. And when I got to Seattle, um, I'm on a team that they went to two Super Bowls in the last two, maybe three seasons. And it was, you know, that's one of the best defenses of, of my lifetime, one of the best defenses of this generation, a Legion of Boom. So I'm on that team and, you know, you got a, a undrafted free agent expected to make this team and being an undrafted free agent, you, you know, you come into the league immediately rookie minicamp and there are a hundred guys there. And maybe only 15, maybe, you know, they, they draft eight and then they sign eight as preferred free agents. So maybe if you're 16 of those 100 guys survive to the next wave. So immediately, you know, you just see the, how cutthroat the NFL is. I'm here to beat out somebody who got drafted. The guys who are tryouts are here to beat out me who signed a preferred free agent contract. And on top of all that, there's only 53 spots that are going to make it to game one. And there will be another 90 guys that come to camp in the fall. So it's like immediately you see how competitive it is and everybody wants it just as much as you. So, you know, you just got to find a way to stay positive and keep believing and, you know, just find those little things throughout the day where you can continue to improve and, and ultimately compete and, you know, show everybody what you got. So can you think of a moment when actually I actually want to hear both sides, but maybe let's start with the good, like in, in your whole journey, including high school, college, all the, all the way through, what was the best game or moment or like you look back and that's that one thing that you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I did this. I had this happen. Do you have uh, one? From, from a preparation standpoint or just like in a game or doesn't matter? Anything. It doesn't matter. Oh man. I, so the one of the best decisions I did make was, I would say that moment where I decided to go to the Canadian Football League. Because mm -hmm. if I went and did that, I think my career would have ended at that point. So um, throughout, you know, I come in the NFL 2016 and 2016, I bounce around with the Seahawks and the Jets, and then I get injured, I'm out all of 2017. 
then I get a call from my agent in 2018. He was like, yeah, you didn't, you know, probably not going to get signed this year. Well, I think you should go to the CFL, you know, because if not, you don't have any film, you know, you, it's going to be tough to get back in the league. And I, you know, was very reluctant to to do that because it just, you know, it, you know, you're top of the mound in the NFL. And then, you know, don't, no disrespect to the Canadian football league. It's a great league, but it's not where you want to be as a, you want to be an NFL player. So I ultimately, you know, went there and, you know, played well and, and got back, got back in the, and got back in the NFL. But in between all that, you know, maybe this isn't just a moment, but just having the, 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 the wherewithal for lack of a better term to talk to the older guys. I remember a conversation I had with Richard Sherman, uh, my rookie year. And, you know, he just gave me some, some, some simple gems on, you know, how to improve and how to stick around the NFL. And, you know, that conversation with him definitely, you know, uh, helped me grow as a player and, you know, to help me take it to the next level. So do you, do you remember what he said? He simply told me, he said, to, to survive in this league, to improve, you have to have a routine. You have to develop a routine. No matter what you do, if, whether it's mentally, physically, recovery, you have to do it and you have to stick to it because that's what's going to set you apart and it's going to compound over time to help you get the results that you want. And so did you create one or did you already have yeah. one or how did I had one, but it definitely evolved, you know, as a, after he told me that, you know, I kind of just forced it, you know, I was just taking his advice and, you know, I was like, okay, I, I could see what those older guys were doing in Seattle, how they would come in um, before they were required to, and, you know, what they would do and their routines and things they would do to separate themselves from others. And I kind of just tried to mimic it, really no rhyme or reason to what I was doing. I just knew I needed to be doing something. And then as I started to play and I could see my deficiencies and see what I needed to work on. And, you know, you start to get a little older and you see how important recovery is. And you start to also see the benefits of, you know, just how you can program your mind. So all those things that I would do that evolved over time to to help me perform and, you know, just stay healthy and stay ready. Just, But it was I'm, always I'm, evolving. I'm guessing you were pretty naturally athletic, but like how much did food nutrition, sleep, recovery, mental recovery, physical recovery, play into your success and long-term longevity in the league? It, it definitely does because I was all at the way my coming in the NFL as an undrafted free agent, you're always, you always have to prove yourself because you're the first person they want to replace. Um, you know, there's, I think maybe a third of every NFL roster turns over every season. So, you know, you, you always have to be able to, 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 you know, separate yourself from others. So just being able to find out exactly how I could do that and how I could stick around and, you know, just, just all those things. It's just so much, so much that, you, <laughs> that goes into it, but it, it, it definitely, definitely it was, a factor. was it was what, a huge factor. What does it feel like? Cause again, I have a lot of, parents and athletes who listen to this now and we all go through ups and downs and you know I personally have had jobs that didn't work out I had teams that didn't work out with great coaches that didn't work out how do you, what is your mindset when you know you played on 10 different teams in 10 years is that right <laughs> so honestly yeah you're probably right including the CFL probably eight from, from 2016 to right now I'm a free agent right now I've definitely played on at least eight or nine teams including the CFL for sure. Right. So how do yeah. how do you you must have an amazing growth mindset to be okay next? What's cut? You know, like how do you flip the page 
I mean, that's like one of the biggest things that I work with my clients on, teen athletes mostly, but college athletes too, on, yeah, but I got cut or I got hurt or I, you know, I have this headwind that I can't seem to figure out how to face. What, what, what how do you look at that? Well, like the thing that, like I said, man, you, you got to believe everything happens for a reason. You have to believe it and you have to see the benefits of your trials and adversity. Because if, if you don't, you'll, you'll, you'll dwell on the past and you'll start to feel sorry for yourself. And before you know it, you know, you're out the lead. So you, not only that, but you, you got to appreciate the journey too. One thing I've realized from, you know, unfortunately, well, I wouldn't even say unfortunately, just being a journeyman in the NFL, which, you know, which my career has been, the journey has been, you know, the most memorable part, you know, and I think that's what I remember when I get older is, you know, the fun I had, the the trials, the adversity I went through and all that. And just, just, just how each moment is, is so precious, you know, being on this team, the guys you meet, you know, getting cut here, feels like the end of the world. And then you bounce back and then all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're playing the best ball you've ever played. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it can be tough. And, you know, you see a lot of guys that it ultimately, you know, that is the reason that they, you know, they just get tired of it. You know, like it's it's not mm-hmm. working. Like you know, I'm just unstable. I'm moving here. I'm moving there. You know, and then on top of that, it just you know, a lot of guys just feel like it's the NFL is just beating them down. You know, it's just like you're constantly told that you know you're not good enough. You don't belong. Because that's at the end of the day, when you get released, that's what they're saying. Like, hey, you know, you did well, but you know, we found somebody better than you. <laughs> you know, so mm-hmm. at, right. at the end of the day, that's all, yeah, that's 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 how the business is. So you know, you just got to be able to tell yourself that. One, you got to believe in yourself. No one has the, the, you know, these coaches, these GMs, these owners, they're not, they're not God, you know, they, they can't tell you're not good enough. They can't tell you you don't belong. And and so you just got to, you know, respectfully take the criticism and get, and get back to work. But, you know, you got to believe in yourself, you know, like they, the story they always tell you when you get cut at first, you know, Michael Jordan got cut from his high school team and it's, you know, as common as that is and as crazy as it sounds, it's true. You know, what's, if, mm-hmm. What if Michael Jordan did listen to that high school coach, man? It's just mm-hmm. so you, you, you got to have that ability to respect the opinion and take the criticism and grow from it. But at the same time, you got to just be like, hey, I know what I got. Maybe they don't know it, but I know what I have here and I'm going to keep working. And I'm going to get better and I'm going to improve and I'm going to prove myself right because I know I, I know I belong. I know I belong here and I'm going to make it happen. The journey, too. And I mean, you're one of. I don't, I don't know exactly, but less than 1%, less than 3% for, to get to the NFL? What is, what is yeah. the... So this, I don't have this stat handy, but I believe that it's 1% of high school players make it to play in co- college sports. And then 1% of college athletes, of college football players make it to the NFL. Right. So you're in such, it's something like that. Yeah. You're in such rarefied air. Like... The fact that you've made it to the level and then sustained is is incredible. And I have parents that say, well, what if my kid isn't going to make it to the MLS? Should I really be encouraging my seven, eight, nine-year-old to be going for it if, in fact, they really probably aren't likely to make it? And I always say, you got to have a dream. And, yeah. and, and your belief in yourself, whether you make it to the MLS or the NBA or the NFL, that's not the point. The point is exactly what you've been talking about, which is the mindset that's required to get through life, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like to be resilient and to say, gosh, 
I believe in myself and I'm willing to take a risk on me. And that will pay off in the long run, whether it's on the field or not. Exactly. And, and I'm with you on that as well. You got to have a dream. You got to have something to shoot for. And, you know, just like the old phrase goes, you know, shoot for the moon, hit the stars or shoot for the stars, hit the moon, however it goes. It's true. You know, um, you know, I'm sure every player that plays and goes to college wants to be a first round draft pick. They want to win the Heisman, whatever, whatever. And not saying that it's not possible. I'm sure, you know, everybody could, but everybody won't. You know, that's how, you know, I always just think of that in my head. Like everybody can, but everybody won't. And I believe that, you know, a lot of people don't, you know, of course, you know, some people are, you know, just born a little bit more athletic or genetically predisposed to do certain things better. But, you know, if you, if you're putting in the work for anything for four, six, eight years, you you know, you're going to see some serious results and it might not be exactly what you intended for, but when it's all said and done and you look back and you know, you did everything you could, you're going to be content with the results. If, if, if that is indeed what you did, you know, that you put in the results. So, you know, I'll, I would I would never I would never shy someone away from their dreams no, no matter what it is and how how far fetched it may sound because you just you, you never know what could happen if you know you give your hundred percent or something especially for such a long time like I was sorry getting off topic here a little bit but I was uh, talking to a uh, college freshman the other day and he asked me for some advice and I'm like man if you give everything you have for four years anything you could you could achieve anything you know but are you actually willing to give it everything you have, you know, and I, and I think that that's the kicker there. Yeah. And I think what we do is we have these limiting beliefs. And so, well, if, what if I don't make it? So I'm not yeah. going to give it my all, even if you don't do it on a conscious level, sometimes it's subconscious. You, you, and I see that with athletes now that are getting hurt all the time, but it's actually a protective mechanism Yes, because mm-hmm. that way then I don't have to not get chosen. If I'm yes. injured or if I don't play the best, then, then I can say, well, or the coach didn't play me, then it's not my fault. But why not leave it all out on the field, do all the work so that you can go for it? And again, here we are doing a different version of that. What if the book doesn't sell? Oh, well, at least I gave it my all, right? Exactly. Like it's, and that's what life is about, is taking a big swing. And if it doesn't, okay, what did I learn from it? And what can I do better the next time? Exactly. And that form of uh, self-sabotage that you, you know, that you express, you know, you see it all the time and it's sad and, you know, frankly and sadly, sometimes you, you know, they're enablers that maybe don't call you out on it or allow it or, you know, implement that in you. And, you know, you see it from maybe parents or coaches or whatever. And it's just, you know, it's just, it's, it's a sad reality that, you know, it happens, it happens pretty often. So um, if we could, I love the vision boards. If we could, if we, this was a year from now and we're talking, what, what happened to you this year? Your, what's the perfect case scenario for you? Uh, would you get signed by another team? Is that the dream? Yeah, perfect, perfect case scenario. Uh, as soon as we finish this episode, uh, my agent calls me and says, hey, you're, uh, you're flying out here tonight and you'll be signed tomorrow. And, you know, th- frankly, that is how it happens in the NFL. You get a call and they're like, hey, what's the closest airport to you? Are you healthy? All right, let's fly you out. And then, you know, you take a physical and you get signed. So in a perfect world, that's what happens. Uh, so, you know, that that would be great news. Um, you know, the the book doing well and uh, hopefully just in, inspiring the next generation of athletes, that'd be, you know, that'd be good as well. But, you know, um, you know, like you said, it's just 
I'm, I'm appreciate the journey right now. You know, it's just it. I am a free agent. I am would rather be on a team than not. But by being by being a free agent, I was you know able to just do things possibly with this book that I, I wouldn't have been able to do and and grow as a person. And honestly, just a different perspective of my career and how I could improve on the field as well. So, you know, so let's but, talk about the book. Let's enough okay. about everything else, right? Like this is exciting. So. When did you think I really want to be an author? What, what, how, why this idea? Um, so you want to be an athlete. When, where did the motivation come from to write this? So um, the motivation for this book actually was during the lockdown during, uh, during May of 2020. I was a free agent then as well. I believe I just got released from the Cleveland Browns. Um, you know, every time you, you know, you turned on the news, it seemed like something was going terribly wrong and somebody was, trying their best to fix it. So I'm like, okay, well, how can I, you know, what can I give to the world other than, you know, playing football and, you know, doing doing the things that I like to do? How can I inspire others? How can I leave an impact on this planet? So, you know, I just I just start writing and honestly, the book that So You Wanna Be an Athlete was one of maybe like six that I intended to be one big book, but you know, learning a lot from the point I realized it was kind of too big and too broad and that you know, I had so you want to be an athlete, so you want to be a lawyer, teacher, doctor, police officer, et cetera, et cetera. And I realized that you know, as I shared it with my friends and uh, my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, that everyone you know thought this one was the best, and it just made the most sense because you know I am an athlete. So I wrote it, and for three years, honestly, I just kind of sat in the files. I, I talked to my interpretation of poet poetry teacher at Florida Atlantic, and she helped me you know tweak some things and write some things. But other than that. From July of twenty three, from May of twenty twenty, it was just sitting in uh sitting in the cloud somewhere. So yeah, nothing nothing actually came of it until uh, I was out in Santa Monica on a uh, on my honeymoon, and we went to a bookstore, and I saw all these cool like gadgets and like children's books, and I was like, I I got I really got to you know get back to that, and made some calls, and you know uh, got in touch with a good illustrator and everything, and you know just got going from there. So what is your, it's out in the world now. Tell everybody where they can find it. Uh, everywhere books are so, sold, I assume. <laughs> so we are officially in the pre-order phase and the book will be, uh, the official publication date will be January 16th. Um, but the book is available on uh, Barnes and Noble and Amazon.com as well. And um, working on my website, you know, uh, still got a lot to learn. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a bunch going on there. So pretty soon it'll be available on Brandon'sBooks.com as well. Wonderful. And what are you most, are you going to do some speaking? Are you going to go to schools? How is this going to, how are you going to roll it out? Uh, so I actually, um, I got invited to West Boca Middle School last night. Uh, so I'll be at West Boca Middle School. I'm going to have some signs and readings at Barnes & Noble of uh, Boca and Delray Beach, Florida. Um, got some things planned with the Boys and Girls Club as well. So, yeah, it's just, you know, I, I'm going to try to do all the local bookstores I can do. And, you know, if anybody ever invites me anywhere, I, I would never turn them down. But, you know, that that that's that's what will be so far. Just uh, local schools, middle schools, elementary schools and um, uh, awesome. Barnes and Noble of Boca and Delray. So I'm excited. Well, I've got about a few that. feelers out in Florida, too. So if I come out, we're going to have to do an event together. Oh, 100 <laughs> percent. I love it. I love to. <laughs> that would be amazing, right? Yeah. Oh, yes, that's so it would, awesome. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that you, your mindset and just getting to know you just through this call. We didn't know each other at all, but hearing your story is so inspiring because 
again, I talk with parents and athletes, young athletes, they make choices, you know, and, and start specializing at such a young age. And to your point, they've been doing it for 15 years by the time they graduate high school, but they have so much invested in it that it feels like it's all or nothing. And if this doesn't work out, if I don't get this division one scholarship right out of the gate, it's not going to happen for me. And your story is so, again, reiterates the message that if you want something bad enough and you're willing to work for it, there are ways to go get it. And so don't let that be the defining factor as to whether you get your dream or not. Yes. Yes. And it's just, you know, it's just just because the world tells you, you know, to the contrary of that, you know, everything you see, everything you see, you know, if you, if even the, the best athletes we see, you know, whether it's uh, Miles Garrett, LeBron James, Aaron Donald, Vaughn Miller, Michael Phelps, you know, the list goes on and on and on. No matter what we see, you know, we only see the finished product. We never see what these guys have done, you know, the, for the last 10 years, the last eight years and all the work it took. And, you know, that's why sometimes as a, a NFL athlete, like it kind of, I understand it, but it, it kind of bothers me as, as some, as it, you know, deep down, like someone come up to you and say, man, you're so lucky, man. Like, I, I wish I was born with the gifts you were born with. I I would have I would have been an NFL Hall of Famer or this or that. And it's just like, man, you just, you know, you, you only see the end result. You don't, you have no clue what uh, myself or these other people have done for the last 10, 15, 20 years. You just, you just never know, man. You, you just never know how hard it was and, you know, the trials and the adversity that, that someone, that someone faced throughout their career. All you see is the, 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 the finished result. So it's just, you know, I just would, would hope that, you know, that, you know, this book or, you know, this conversation or this, the kids or anybody can realize that, you know, the final result is, is very misleading. You know, you have yeah. to you put in a lot of work and not only that, the, your peers at your age right now, a lot of them, like we spoke about earlier, a lot of ones that are, they're good now the the child proteges, they won't be the ones that make it the farthest. They won't be the ones that play the longest. And in a couple of years, they may not even be the best anymore. So, you know, and not to discount the child protégés as well, because we don't know how hard they've worked, you know, to be considered yeah. a child protégé. So it's just, it, it, everything's so misleading. And it just, it just, it, it, it's just, I think it's just cool for everyone to realize, like, you know, you, you got to put in the work to see the results, no matter what it is. What do you think about luck? I think there is always an element of luck, but I think you also make your own luck. And I'm mm-hmm. guessing just hearing you talk about, the opportunities that you had, you obviously made some choices to not do some things too. Like there probably were some parties or proms or dances or whatever, going out with the guys that you didn't do so that you could get what you wanted in the long run. Yeah. Um, so to, to touch on the luck part first, um, like you said, you make your own luck and I'm a, I'm a firm believer that, you know, you, you see what's lucky and I see years of, preparation you know you see okay it's lucky you know you know brandon brandon didn't have any division one scholarships and he's been in the nfl for eight years he's so lucky i see okay yeah toward two acls went to junior college uh went to the canadian league been cut eight times and you know i'm seeing okay this week i had a good game and you know everybody may see it and they're like oh he's so lucky how did this happen and so it's like you said you make your own luck and you know you 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 get what your work deserves. You know, I had a, a mm-hmm. one of my coaches from the Buffalo Bills always said that you get what your work deserves uh, from Eric Washington. So, you know, I just, 
I'm, I've always been a firm believer in that. And as far as, you know, not going out and not partying too hard and, and not drinking everything, I, I always knew what I wanted and I knew that those things weren't going to help me. And I honestly, I would get more enjoyment from working out and going and doing all those than, than I could ever get from a party. Like, I honestly, to this day, like, I'll have more, I'll enjoy going on a two mile run more than I will going to the club or to a party. It's just, you know, different things that I've come to enjoy and, you know, just not having those risks of, you know, being out and in the wrong place at the wrong time or, you know, somebody mistakes you from somebody else or, or mm-hmm. even worse, you know, you're hung over and now you can't go to practice the next day or you're not, you know, as you get older, you realize how important recovery is and how bad that, you know, lack of sleep and alcohol is for, or sorry, are for, for recovery and all those things. So it just, you know, it was just, you know, not that I'm a, a saint or that I'm better than anybody. It's just, I honestly just don't enjoy those things. So, it, you know, I think that helped me. <laughs> and and I think you, you have to, to get to your level and sustain it, you have to love the grind. Like, yes. because there's a lot of grind. There's a lot of yes. days that nobody's looking, the lights aren't on, the stadium isn't full. It's freezing in Buffalo. I lived there for three years. I know <laughs> it's 20 below. Nobody's going out and you're going to work out, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, like you said, you got to love it. You, you have to love it because you know, like they say, motivation phase, you know, discipline will, you know, take you over those humps. So if you're disciplined enough to, even like yesterday, I had, I went to go, uh, me and my friends, we ran a 5K uh, this past weekend oh, <laughs> in Fort Lauderdale. And the next day I had to go, it was lower body day. And I'm like, man, I do not, the last thing I want to do is squat right now and do some some single leg RDLs and all that stuff. And I'm like, I just, I just didn't want to do it, but I just, I just had to do it, you know, and, I, and I, if I wouldn't have done it, I would have felt terrible, you know, it, it just even just forcing, even with forcing myself to do it, I know I would have felt even worse by not doing it. So just, you know, just getting it out the way and just let, you know, letting your discipline just override all those, those doubts and, and those, you know, those feelings of, you know, wanting to relax and all that. So, you know, it's just, and it's a lifelong battle, you know, you always, it's always going to be things you don't want to do, you know. It's so funny. I was just having this exact conversation with my middle son as a freshman in college playing uh, basketball and we're talking about habits and forming good habits. And I'm 54 in a couple of weeks and I'm like, I need to be lifting more in order to maintain muscle mass. And so I committed to myself and I was having the exact conversation on the way to the gym. You're going to be happy when this is over. You're going to go do <laughs> yeah. the leg workout and you're going to love it. And when it's done, you're going to be so proud of yourself. And like having that little and then sure enough, it's 630. Yeah, but it's 630. I don't really want to just shut up, go to the gym, to the class. Yeah. And then I said, sure enough, on the way home, you're like, oh, I'm so proud of myself. And I did it. And, and it's it, it, fake it till you make it or whatever you yep. want to call it. But it's, I just said, okay, non-negotiable. I'm going to do lifting five days a week for this month of January. And we'll see what the results are. And then we can talk about whether this it's working or not. But we yeah. have so much about... I'm going to do it once and then I want the results. And like, exactly. it doesn't work that way. Right? <laughs> sure does. You gotta it. It love sure the does. Grind. It. Yeah. You got to <laughs> love it. And, and you know, like they say, you either, you'll either have to deal with the pain of discipline or the pain of, was the pain of sacrifice or the, the pain of regret? Yeah. Lack that's what it discipline. is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There yeah, you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, you know, we all deal with it maybe consciously or subconsciously one way or another, whether you know, whether you're working at Amazon, Google, or playing in the NFL, or you just want your fitness goals, we all have to deal with it. So it, it's it's cool to see it, though, when you finally do develop those good habits, 
and you, you can't you see him taking over and you it's you're not relied on the motivation but you know you you just have you just have it like you just don't feel right if you don't do it yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> you touched on one of your coaches and that made me think wow to have been played middle school or whatever all the way from seven through high school through college through all the pro is there a coach or a teacher you've always had some amazing professors as well that comes to mind as someone like who inspired you the most and why what was it about them that that touched you so it's so many people you know um jeff sims the coach who was at fort scott um you know, my father, you know, was a, a very disciplined guy, um, you know, whether it's sports psychologist for the Buffalo Bills or, you know, my friend Barb Schmidt, who teaches in, in wellness and meditation and mindfulness. You know, I've just learned so many things from all these people that have helped me, you know, grow as a person and grow as a player. But I I, I got to go with Jeff Sims at this point, who was the coach <laughs> of Fort Scott, who, who brought me to FAU because it was just so tough. And, you know, I left I know he left Fort Scott. Um, maybe like the first semester after I got there, but it was just the, the the things that you know he would tell us as players. Like I remember, it was maybe my first or second day at Fort Scott, and I, I wake up and everything at Fort Scott started. It was like the military; everything started thirty minutes early. So if they told you to be there five forty-five, you had to be there five fifteen. If you weren't there five fifteen, they would literally late. make yes. And by being late, they would make you run to Walmart, like run to Walmart and grab a shopping bag and come back. And just like what? <laughs> So I, I I just remember my first day and I'm I'm there and I'm in the cafeteria and we're we're doing a roll call. I'm sorry. And um we're doing we're doing the um we're doing the attendance check. And I'm like, he's like, What's wrong? I'm like, I'm just not a morning person. And he's like, You will be and I'm like, Okay, I guess I will. And then literally that always stuck with me. Like, every day I'm tired. He's like, You will be, you will be and then I start going to sleep earlier and then I start waking up feeling better and then you know, it just got easier. And, you know, just the, 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 the things that, you know, they implemented us, implemented us in Fort Scott, just, it, it was the hardest thing that I, to this day, it was the hardest program, the hardest thing that I've ever been to. And it's just learning how to deal with it and, you know, just getting through it. You know, we just, we just learned so much. So I have, I have to credit coach Jeff Sims in, in that aspect. And, you know, I, to this day, man, he, he texts me every holiday season, every birthday, Aww. happy birthday, you know, Merry Christmas, all that. So, you know, just, you know, just. That, that was huge, though. Definitely a, a very, a, a big part of my journey. Coaches, I am teachers, but both. But to have a coach in your life, and I, my college coach that I played for at William & Mary, same. I talk to her every month. Like, she's one of my best friends. She was in my wedding. Like, to have those kind of people that can become so foundational for who you become as a, as a person, I think are so inspiring and inspire us to do the work that we do, too, to ho hopefully inspire the next generation. Um, yes. of athletes and parents and everything. So Brandon, this is so fun. I have one last question for you. I know you got better things to do because your phone's going to be ringing pretty quickly. So you're going to have your agent calling. So I want to yeah. wrap this up <laughs> with uh, the question that we ask all of our guests. Um, how would you finish this sentence? The best athletes I know do this. And it can be a word, it can be a phrase, it can be a story. There is no wrong answer. But what comes to mind when, you know, with all of your experience, the best athletes you know do what? The best athletes I know have a routine. <laughs> they mm -hmm. have a routine. And it's an unwavering routine, no matter what it is. If it's Christmas, if it's New Year, if it's my birthday, if I'm out of town, no matter what it is, I'm going to find a way to do it. 
and that routine will vary, you know, from, from subject to subject, no matter who it is, but they have it and they stick to it. And they know that by relying on that routine, that they'll, you know, ultimately they'll turn into the player uh, and get the results that they, that they want. I love that. I'm a huge fan of that as well. And I have a morning routine and every day trying to do the same thing. You meditate, you pray, you journal about your day as if it's already happened. And then you get to live it. Like I had this conversation with you at 530 this morning and it was the most beautiful thing. Like I knew that this was going to happen and it got me so excited for this. And then you get a, to live out what, what it is you're actually visioning. And that's such a yes. beautiful thing. Yes. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with me and, and share your story with us. And I know you're going to be so inspiring to so many. Can you tell everybody where they can find you and hear where you're going to be going next? Um, so right now you can find me on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, my name is L underscore Sacco, E-L underscore S-A-C-K-O. And also uh, the book page is Brandon's Books uh, on Instagram. Uh, so you can find me at those two places and the uh, website, brandonsbooks.com, uh, will be launching any day now. Yay. Well, I can't wait when it's out. I'm going to please send me links. I want, we want to post it on on my page and on Substack and, and get everybody to, to buy it. All of my listeners are, are exactly your people. Great, great. I will. Thank you. <laughs> and I appreciate the support and I appreciate you for having me. Um, and I look forward to uh, reading your book as well. Thank you. I'll just send you a copy. Okay, cool, cool. Parents, athletes, coaches, anyone listening, please like, share, DM me. I'm Kirsten Jones Coach. If you have questions, you have questions for Brandon, let me know. We love getting questions and hearing topics. And if you can think of other people you would love to hear from, I'm always interested in meeting new people and, and sharing the stories that we are all trying to learn and grow. We fail, we stand up, we do it all over again. Um, that's what this whole journey is about. So. Thank you so much, and we'll talk to you soon. Let's do it. There's something we need to ask you today that will help us out, and that is to take 30 seconds to make sure you're following the show. There's a weird thing that happened with the latest Apple update, and it's kicked a lot of people out of the hashtag Raising Athletes land. They've been paused. So we need to make sure you aren't paused. I was paused, and it's my podcast. To check and see if it's happened to you, Apple listeners, listen up. Open up your podcast app, search hashtag Raising Athletes, and select our show page. In the top right corner, you may see a pause symbol. Tap the pause symbol and hit resume. If you see a download symbol, you can go to settings and automatically download episodes. If you see a plus symbol, please tap and follow the show. If you do this, new episodes will come up automatically in your feed, and we love to have you following along. Thanks so much. Go to hashtag Raising Athletes Show page on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you listen to your podcasts and type the plus sign in the upper right-hand corner and click to follow on. And you know what? Tell your friends or maybe send them a link to your favorite episode of the show. Thank you so much for following along. We love and appreciate you all.